Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is episode 43, Reverse the Curse. And, you know, in in a kind of short, compact, little podcast episode, 30 minutes, hit and run, guerrilla gospel, something to chew on but not to choke on, it's impossible to get into every... Um, meaning of the word curse. It's impossible to get into every mention of the curse. It's impossible to get into every curse that the Bible touches on. But there's kind of two that I really want to focus on that I think kind of encompasses everything else. And the reason that I think this is important, as always, uh, when I do these podcasts, I try to give something you know, practical, something that we can use, uh, something to help edify us and build us up and help us in our daily lives. And the reason that I think it's important to talk about the curse today is because I feel like, especially in the religious world, which is kind of strange to me, but uh, especially in the religious world, it seems like we have a really defeatist or even defeated attitude. We talk about being overcomers, but we don't act like we've overcome anything or really like we have the the ability to overcome anything. We act like, you know, things are bad and getting worse. We act like, oh, if I can just hang on till Jesus comes. But at the same time, we don't act like we really believe that he has come or is coming or will come. It's almost like, well, if I can just get to heaven after I die, then I'll be okay. And I mean, you guys know how I feel about the whole idea of the afterlife. And if you don't know how I feel about it, you can go back in the archives and listen to that podcast episode. But my point is, is that if you're living for some other day, either way, if, 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 if your past is dragging you down, or if your future is uh, putting you um, in a rut, which we know is just a grave with the ends kicked out, unless you're really understanding what's available to us in the here and now. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And the only way to experience that life is to live. To live is to love and to love is to live. We receive his love and we release his love. And that's how we experience his life as he lives it in us and through us and as us. Unless we're operating in that kind of now faith, you know, Hebrews says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith isn't for the future. Faith is for now. Because if faith is the evidence, if faith is the substance, then we can feel it and we can touch it and we can experience it. So if we're operating under this idea of being cursed, if we're operating under this idea of, well, you know, my parents are... Okay, let me say it like this. I heard a story not too long ago about a, uh, a guy who was an alcoholic. And he had two sons and one of his sons became an alcoholic and the other son became a teetotaler and wouldn't touch alcohol under any circumstances. And when both of the sons were asked, why did you turn out the way you did? They both had the exact same answer. They both said, because my dad was an alcoholic. And I think that really those are our two choices. When, when, when we're so deeply affected by something we either accept it as our truth or we reject it and we go for something else. And if we think that we are under an eternal curse that we can't get out of, it's easy to accept that and just, you know, kind of plot along with it. Or 
as we're going to see today, when we understand that the curse is reversed, not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, then we can stop living in that cursed dimension. We can stop being affected by the whole idea of being cursed. And instead of generational curses that we think are handed down, like alcoholism or addiction or or any of these other things, poverty, any of these things that we think of as generational curses, instead of that, we can break the cycle in our own lives and in the lives of our loved ones, and we can start to operate in God's power of generational blessings. God told Abraham, you are blessed to be a blessing. He said, I'm going to make you rich so that you can have a great family, so that you can have a great name, so that you can do great things. See, I always say God doesn't care if we have stuff. What, what what starts to be concerning to God is when our stuff has us, right? Remember the rich young ruler that Jesus told, sell all your stuff and give it to the poor, and he went away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff? He couldn't get rid of it. He, not only did he have a lot of stuff, but his stuff had him. It had a hold on him. It was more important to him than anything else. And in our own lives, what we need to find to be the most important to us is love. And love is giving. So we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning, to Genesis chapter 3, and I want to read verses 17 through 19. And to the man, he, being God, said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. Did you catch that? He didn't curse the man. He cursed the ground. He cursed the, the, the earth or, or, or the dimension that we were living in. So right off the jump, if you think you are cursed, let's get rid of that idea. You may feel like you're in a cursed dimension. You may feel like, you know, uh, almost like a reverse Midas sometimes where instead of whatever you touch turns to gold, sometimes it feels like whatever we touch just turns to disaster. And, if, and, and when you get that kind of mindset, you really, you want to stop touching things. You want to stop trying. You want to give up. But that's not the way that it is. Man was never cursed. God cursed the ground. He said, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles. And keep that phrase in, in, in the back of your mind here, because we're going to hit it in just a second. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. See, even though God cursed the ground, he still made it possible for us to receive from the, the, the earth or the world or the dimension that he created for us. He said, it's going to be harder for you because you wanted to go your own way. You ate from the wrong tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of death. And on that day that you ate of the tree of death, of course, you, you surely died. Not necessarily in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense. In, in in the idea of, of man was in a finished work, man was in a garden, and all he had to do was tend it and keep it and eat from the tree of life and not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But, of course, you know, the, the, the serpent tricked the woman and the man, and, and, and then God, once again, he cursed the ground. But even though he cursed the ground, he didn't destroy it. He said, you will eat of its grains. But then he said, by the sweat of your brow, Will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made? For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. 
and there's really three things that I really want us to to uh, catch here. And the first is that the ground is cursed. The second are the thorns and thistles. And the third is uh, you will have, uh, it says, by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat. Those are the three keys that I want to pull out of this uh, section as, as I build my foundation as we move forward. And I only want to move forward a little bit to the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, and I want to read verses 1 through 6 in order to, to show man's idea of things versus God's idea of things. And if, if you've read any of the Gospels or any of, of Jesus's, any of the accounts of Jesus' earthwalk ministry, you will find that when Jesus spoke, people didn't understand him. Like they almost willfully misunderstood him. He, he was saying things that did not make sense to the natural mind. Even something as simple as the last will be first and the first will be last. People were like, huh? Even his disciples, his hand-picked group to, to travel with him and, and, and sup with him and eat with him and learn from him. A lot of times they had no idea what he was talking about. He, he said, uh, you can't go where I'm going. And, and they were like, we don't even know where you're going. Like they, they didn't get it. He was like, I'm going to die. And I'm going to rise from the dead in three days. And they're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? Like even his own disciples thought Jesus was off his rocker a lot of the time. Of course, they still ran to him every time they got in trouble. Like when he was sleeping in, in, in the boat and the storm came and they were like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Let's get Jesus. Like they knew who he was without fully understanding what he was saying. And I think that's always been a problem that man has had. Uh, especially before the cross, without the indwelling Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that leads and guides us into all truth, is rather than understanding that we were created in God's image, we've always tried to kind of create God in our image. Uh, I heard someone once say, you know you've created your own God when he hates all the same people you do. And I like that because I don't think God hates anybody. I don't think love God is love. I don't think love can hate anybody. So again, we have this uh, almost fundamental misunderstanding of God's nature and, and, and surely of his words. And that's why people will fight over things in the Bible. And that's why people will say things, they'll say, the Bible clearly says, when like, like stuff that's not even in the Bible. Like one of my favorites is when people are like, well, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, that, that theme may be in there, but it doesn't say it in that direct way. So, you know, we, we like to use the Bible to stand on sometimes to, to prove our point instead of understanding God's point. So in Genesis chapter 4, starting with verse 1, and again, this is after that conversation God just had with Adam, when he cursed the ground and when he moved man out of the finished work of the garden and into the, the world, quote unquote, as, as we kind of think of it and know it. It reads, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, he said, With the Lord's, I'm sorry, she said, With the Lord's help I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And I've heard Bible scholars say that since the Bible doesn't say that Adam had sex with his wife again, that uh, a common belief is that Cain and Abel were twins. And uh, there are a, a, a lot of twins in the Bible. 
but um i don't know that doesn't really matter i just i just thought of that real quick and i wanted to throw that in it's very possible that they were twins but cain is the older one and abel is the younger one and it says when they grew up abel became a shepherd while cain cultivated his ground and what we see here is in the eyes of the Lord, I wrote a whole book about this called Identity Crisis. In the eyes of the Lord, there's only two men who have ever lived. The first man, Adam, was earthy and he was from the earth. And the last Adam, the last man, Jesus, who is the God from heaven. And we almost see that here with Cain and Abel because Cain was first and he cultivated the ground. And Abel was a shepherd. God, Jesus is our shepherd, and, and Jesus is also the lamb that, that you know, the shepherd would tend to, you know, it, 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 in my theology, at least, it's all Jesus, but what we see here, again, is, is the contradiction between the first man and the last man, the first Adam and the last Adam, uh, Adam and Jesus, Cain and Abel. So it says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. He was literally following in his natural father's footsteps, scratching out a living from the from the cursed ground, uh, you know, fighting the thorns and the thistles and eating the grains of it. And then he gave that as his offering to the Lord. And then in verse 4 it says, Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. So the shepherd brought a sheep while Cain brought what he could produce from the ground. It says, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Verse 6, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you but you must subdue it and be its master. Again, sin being unbelief, sin being, I can do this, uh, I can produce what God wants, uh, man-based, people-centered, rules and, and, and laws, following the Ten Commandments, uh, knowing enough good and evil that I can stop doing evil and only do good. This whole idea of, of doing in order to be, which is the opposite of the divine order, which says you do not do in order to be, you do because you be. What you do flows from your beliefs. It flows from who you are. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way into being who God created you to be. So God did not accept the offering that Cain brought that was the work of his hands, the, the, what, what was produced from the ground. God accepted the lamb. The only sacrifice God ever accepted, the only sacrifice God ever wanted, was the lamb. And we see this again with, you know, Abraham and Isaac. Uh, God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, but really the sacrifice that God wanted was the ram or the male lamb that was caught in the thicket, caught in the thorns. See where we're going with this? John chapter 19 verse 2 says, The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his, Jesus's, head, and they put a purple robe on him. At the appropriate time, at the appointed time, Jesus came to reverse this curse. Jesus came to bring us out of the old and into the new. Jesus came to bring us out of death and into life, out of this cursed dimension 
or, or, or earth or world or whatever you want to call it, and into the days of heaven on earth, into his kingdom. He was crowned and he was put, he, they put a, a royal purple robe on him and they thought they were mocking him, but, but really they were just uh, kind of identifying him for who he really was which is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But even the thorns uh, that they meant as disrespect, Jesus took those things and he, and he used that to reverse the curse on the cross. But if we back up a little bit from that, what we see in Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 44, it reads, He, Jesus, walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And there is a lot, a lot of debate about what this means, about Jesus praying, uh, take this cup of suffering from me. Some people even say that Jesus was kind of uh, reluctantly going to the cross, which I don't believe at all. Jesus knew what he was there for right from the jump. Even when Jesus was uh, a young child, he went to the, the tabernacle. He went he went and sat with the priests and, and taught them more than they were teaching him. And his parents couldn't find him. And then when they finally did find him, he said, don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? So he always knew what he was created for. He always knew what his purpose was. And that's even what he says when he says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. It says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And you would think that if he's praying for strength and then an angel comes and strengthens him, okay, he's good. He's happy, right? Mission accomplished. Problem solved. But no, it says, he prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And this is kind of the whole, this is really my message for today, is that God told Adam, the ground is cursed, it will grow thorns and thistles, and by the sweat of your brow you, will you have food to eat. Jesus came, and they put the crown of thorns on his head, and he sweated great drops of blood, and he reversed the curse. He brought us out of that uh, whole um, system where you have to do in order to be and he showed us who we really are and he gave us his blood his dna the divine nature of the almighty so that we could stop trying to be someone we're not in order to get something that we think we haven't got and we can instead we can rest in the open loving arms of our heavenly father we can understand that it is finished and we can enjoy the fruit of his labor we can stop trying so hard to make our bread spiritually by the sweat of our brow. And we can understand that it was Jesus' sweat that dropped like great drops of blood. And his blood, when it hit that cursed ground, it reversed the curse. It put things back how God always wanted them to be. It put things back how they were always supposed to be. It put things back how they were in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And although it was void and dark and without form, God spoke and he said, let there be light. And there was light. That's the same thing in our lives. When we think we've been cursed, these generational curses, or, or even if you don't know your, your, your past history, you might think you're cursed. And you might try to fight your way out of it. And you might try to struggle your way out of it. But you can't. The only way that you can 
ascend higher than what you think you are is with a, a shift of your mindset. It's by letting the mind of Christ that is already in us be in us. It's understanding that it's not the sweat of your brow that God wants. It's the blood of the Lamb. And God gave us his only begotten son. God gave us Jesus. Jesus sweat those great drops of blood so that his blood could flow through our veins as God's heart of love beats with love in our chests. That's how blood flows, right? The heart beats and the blood flows. God says, I love you with every beat of his heart in our chests. And that love flows through our veins and we can fill ourselves to overflowing with what we've already been filled with. And we can let that love that's inside of us come out of us. We can receive and release the love of God. We can experience Jesus's abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life by letting him live his own life in us and through us and as us. We don't have to try to be someone we're not when we know who we are. When you know the truth, the, the ultimate truth of the universe, that God is love and he loves you, that the Father loveth the Son and has given all things into his hands, when you know the truth, you can ignore the lie. You don't have to fight the lie. You don't have to defeat the lie. You can just simply ignore it. What you feed in your life is what will grow in your life. And by the same token, what you starve in your life will die in your life. Just don't give any time and attention to it. Don't give any power to something that doesn't have any power. Just let the light of God shine in you, on you, out of you, through you, and as you. Uh, we, you know, I love to talk about the light and, you know, the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. Uh, nobody lights a, a candle and hides it under a bushel. You put it out where it can light up the whole room. And in the same way, when we can understand the reversal of this curse, when we can understand that uh, one man, uh, I believe it's the Message Bible says, in a nutshell, one man did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death. One man said no to God and got us in trouble with all this sin and death. And then another man came and said yes to God and got us out of the sin and death. He got us into life and not just any life, but his life, his life of love. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the thing that makes life abundant is love. To live is to love, and to love is to live. If you have no love, N-O, you have no life. But if you know love, K-N-O-W, then you know life. The only way to truly experience this life that God has given us is to understand that he loves us and to love him back by loving the people around us to receive that gift that he's given us and to give it to those that we come into contact with. And, by the way, that's how we reverse the curse in our lives. Not by trying to, to, to scratch and claw our way out of it, but to simply receive what God has given us and release it to those around us. To stop trying so hard to be someone we're not and to simply be who we are by letting Jesus be who he is in us and through us and as us. You reverse the curse in your life by loving the people in your life. No matter what the curse is, no matter if it's, you know, all, all these different things that, that we want to talk about, whether it's alcoholism or addiction or poverty or, or whatever it is, you reverse the curse in your life by receiving and releasing this truth that Jesus reversed the curse by praying so hard that he sweat and sweating so hard that he bled and his blood touching the cursed ground. So 
I want to very quickly to end this uh, episode today. I want to read Galatians chapter three, starting with verse eight and moving down through verse fourteen. And this is talking about a little bit different uh, kind of version of the idea of the curse, but uh, I, I think it with when when we put these two together, it kind of encompasses everything. So that's why I wanted to close with this. Galatians chapter three, starting with verse eight, reads, "What's more." The scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. Again, God blessed Abraham to be a blessing. He didn't just bless Abraham so Abraham could hoard up his blessings. He blessed Abraham so that he could be a blessing to all of the nations. So it says... uh, So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith, right? Abraham's the father of faith. We we did an episode on that too. You can check out in the archives. But basically, Abraham's faith is just believing God and doing what he says. God told Abraham to go and Abraham went. And there is a progression of Abraham growing in the faith that we looked at too, but I'll let you look at that. I'll let you look that one up too if you want to look that one up. So verse 10 says... But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. I believe it's in the book of Romans where it says, If you break any part of the law, you've broken the whole law. Jesus came and and when he taught, when when Jesus came and walked on the earth, on, on, on the shores of Galilee, that was still under the old covenant because the cross hadn't happened yet. Jesus hadn't fulfilled the, the old covenant yet. And I'm going to do, I think, probably a series about the covenant coming up here pretty quick. But for today, um, just stick with me and, and just hear that Jesus, when he preached the law, he made it uber impossible for man to follow. He said, if you have anger in your heart towards someone else, it's like you've murdered them. He made it absolutely impossible for anybody to keep the law so that nobody could be justified by their own works, so that everybody would understand, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. And again, not a sinner in in, in the sense of that we usually think of a, a quote-unquote bad person who does quote-unquote bad things, but a sinner in the sense of an unbeliever or or somebody who believes the wrong thing. Jesus took away the sin of the world by taking away the unbelief of the world by giving us something, someone, himself, love to believe in. So there's nobody who could obey the law, and that's why Jesus came and kept the law and fulfilled the law and, and put the law away and brought us into a new law, not, not the law, that, uh, not the letter of the law, which is death, but the spirit of, of God, which is life in Christ Jesus. It says, cursed is everyone who does not obey, observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says, it is through obeying the law that a person has life. Old covenant, obey the law and you'll have life. New covenant, believe in Jesus and you have life. We're out of the old and we're in the new. That's the shift that happened on the cross. 
Jesus reversed the curse on the cross. He fulfilled everything the law required and put it away because it was contrary to us and it was against us. All the law could do was accuse us of our wrongdoings. It couldn't perfect us. Jesus came to show us that he is perfect. He is in us. We are in him. As he is, so are we in this world. He is perfect. So verse 13, quickly to finish this up, it says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. It's not about what you do, it's about what you believe, because what you do flows from what you believe. Jesus rescued us from the curse of sin and death and the law by dying and by and rising again. He fulfilled the law. He defeated sin. Sin and death and hell were cast into a lake of fire. God took our sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. He's not concerned with them. He's not worried about them. He's not fighting with them. What God wants is for us to stop worrying about them and being concerned with them and fighting with them. We don't have to identify as sinners. We don't have to let our mistakes drag us down. We are not under the curse of the law. We are not under the curse of the ground where we have to uh, 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 make our get our food by the sweat of our brow. Jesus reversed that curse. Jesus brought us out of that dimension. He brought us out of the world and into the kingdom. When they crowned him and when they put a robe on him, when they when they wrote the sign that said, you know, King of the Jews, his kingdom came and it came in power. And that's where we are now, the days of heaven on earth. So we don't have to deal with a lot of this stuff that we always deal with and we can rise up and walk in newness of life. And that's why I think this is important. That's why I think this is practical. You can uh, stop struggling and you can start living Jesus's life of love. Thank you guys so much for all the support, and we'll see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because... I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, su you can support it Excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it. Uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls Ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.